Hey guys, Carlos here. I wanted to make a quick disclaimer about the episode you're about to listen to. The software that I used to record the audio kind of messed up, and so there were a lot of issues with uh, sentences just being cut off or just some people's mic quality suddenly dropping to bad levels. So I had to do a lot of editing around certain bits, and so pieces are kind of spliced up. And you might run into uh, just weird audio problems that I just couldn't find a way around or just parts that are completely skipped. Um, I just want to say apologies for the quality. Hopefully it's not too bad. I'm going to try to improve on it next time so this doesn't happen again. But uh, there's still plenty of good stuff in this episode, so please enjoy and let me know what you think. All right, bye. Welcome to another episode of Battle the Backlog, the show about finishing the games you've been putting off. I'm your host, Carlos, and I am again joined by Tyler. Oh, hello. I got some tingles from that intro. Please go. Okay. All right. I guess I'll do it again. And (laughs) we have two uh, all-star guests coming back. Eric. Hello. And Hunter. What up, everybody? It's your boy. Wow, I really might have to redo this. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, no. so we're professionals. This is one take only. So, if you're new to the podcast, because we got a bunch of new listeners, uh, uh, so this show, what we do is a bunch of friends gather around and we talk about all the games that we have lined up in our backlog of the stuff that we eventually plan to get to and finally tackling it and taking them down one by one. And so that is one portion of the podcast. There's another portion that's going to be a big topic that I feel really passionate about and I really want to discuss with my guests, and that's going to be the first portion. So so I got these guys specifically because there's something that I had been thinking about a lot recently, and it was kind of just like thinking about a retrospective on the things gaming in our lives that were from our past that we kind of reflect on and we have some personal connection to so i wanted to do a retrospective series on a particular console the xbox 360 the 360 is came out around the time that we were all about let's say like what 11 12 around that much yeah around around middle school time so you know it's kind of like i'd say you know pre-safe bet it was that period of time was kind of like one of the more uh one of the moments that really like shaped our gaming style you know and like formative years where yes exactly and so i kind of wanted to go over the history of the xbox in some level and also go over our own memories of things from that time that we really remember relating to the 360 as well as a little extra thing that i threw in at the end that we're gonna do so at first i just want to ask you guys, if you remember when you got your 360, and if you oh, remember yeah. how it happened, uh, absolutely, I got it Christmas Day. I think a year after it came out was that 07? I don't remember somewhere around there. I got it with Halo Three, 
and literally did nothing else for like the next day and a half. I was like, That's mine. What about y'all? Um, for me, I was actually late to the party. I got, I got my 360 around Christmas 2010, and that was when it was like the slim version of the 360. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my copy, my copy of the 360 came with Forza 3 and Island Wake. So those were the first uh, Xbox 360 games that I owned. Yeah, so that was I pretty much got it because no one had a PS3 and all of my friends just had an Xbox 360. But in order to play with them, I needed to get one. So that's how I got it. Hunter, I believe you kind of already yeah. gave us your story. That uh, my first introduction to the Xbox 360 was uh, going over to your house after school and watching you play Call of Duty and Halo and uh, had to have it for myself. Yep, fair enough. Okay, yeah, I I think I'm trying to remember exactly. I, I I think I remember that it was sixth grade, and it had been. I was originally an Xbox guy, so I had the original Xbox, and then I saw the 360. I saw all the stuff that was coming out for it, and I was like, oh man, I gotta get my hands on it. And I think I convinced my parents that if I got all A's, that they would give me, uh, they would buy me a 360. And I think they said it. I think they said it kind of like not really thinking about it too hard. They kind of just went like, oh, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Like, I'm busy mowing the lawn or something. Uh, and then the day came and I showed them my report card. I was like, here you go. Always. Here, I'm waiting. And then they just went, oh, God. And they had to buy me this $400 machine that they didn't even understand. So that was pretty awesome. I can't remember what I got for it initially. I want to say, I think it might have just been Madden 2008 because it was the summer of 2007 i don't Probably. think i can think of anything else but i remember later that year getting uh call of duty 4 and then halo 3 and a bunch of other stuff but yeah a lot of cool memories so yeah the 360 pretty big console although at the start it was basically the first console to come out for the uh seventh generation it actually came out in 2005 i had no idea about this i thought it was 2006 i thought it was six too it came out a year before ps3 always had mm-hmm. that advantage oh okay true 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 which is kind of nuts to think about because i think the xbox original came out in 2001 so it, it was only out for four years before it was replaced by this thing which is kind of nuts so yeah it was the first basically the first console of that generation to come out it was the first hd console which was pretty crazy and then it had competition up against the ps3 and the wii I remember at the time, you know, the Wii was kind of the biggest craze in the world. But after like a few years, the hype really died down when people realized that they're it's kind of just like a gimmick console and there's not much to it. Yeah. And I feel like everybody who had a Wii also had either an Xbox or a PlayStation 2. You know, it's just like it was an add on type console. Like, I don't kind of never heard of anybody just owning a Wii. Well, the thing was like, yeah, with the Wii. Well, the, the people who just owned a Wii were like grandmas. A lot of like older people yeah. just kind of had this one machine because they were like, oh, this this is a pretty neat little contraption. And then they just I can go bowling didn't... in my house. Yeah, exactly. None of these people were actually like invested in the gaming industry or like right. getting except, into the except the for culture. that. There's that one old lady who um, used the Wii Fit board for like 10 years in a no. row or something like that. <laughs> yeah but did she buy a 360 i think not so what i wanted to talk about like some of the big points of the 360 the first one being i think the biggest one was xbox live so like it wasn't introduced in this particular generation it was actually introduced um the last generation with the xbox 
yes. zero. I, I hate having to say the Xbox original. It's so because I can't say Xbox One. Like I don't know what to call the thing. It's just just the say the original X- Xbox Classic. Xbox Classic. Oh, that's got a ring. Uh, I like that. Well, I can only say that until they make a mini version of the Xbox and they call that the Xbox Classic. So Xbox Live started around the time that Halo 2 came out because they're really trying to sell the multiplayer matchmaking aspect of that. On PS2, you could play games like uh, Final Fantasy XI online, which is pretty crazy. But the thing that was cool about this one particular, specifically with the 360, is that it really started the idea of building a community like having it not and not just being like a connection for you to play with other people online but it was like a social hub kind of creating its own social media platform essentially like you could keep a list of all your friends they added the concept of uh sending messages to each other sending calls to each other uh talking to you on game lobbies seeing what your friends are up to I remember like that period, like in middle school, it just became like such a big deal about having like a party of like all your friends fill out all eight slots and just getting everybody to play the same games together. Like I don't Which remember. I was, I was just going to say, I came late to that too, because when I first got into Xbox, I wasn't allowed to have, or Xbox 360, I wasn't allowed to have the, the uh, adapter on it. So my, pa- my parents never wanted me to play online because she would say I would, um, there's a lot of creeps online, so I don't want you to play. <laughs> I was like, well, but ma. I think luckily I didn't have to get the adapter because the you had an internal one. Well, I think, yeah, I think it was internal. And then we had the family computer in the room. So I just had uh-huh. to plug it in via Ethernet. I have to use Wi-Fi. But I remember like, so the, 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 the thing with Xbox Live is that they also introduced Xbox Live Gold, which was the paid membership you had to do every month, which was yeah. what, 10 bucks a month. Uh, 15, I thought. No, was, no, no, it was 10, but if you bought the year, it was 60. Yes, yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. All right. But I yeah. remember, yeah, having to pay $10 a month. And I didn't even understand that at first. Like, I remember when I first got uh, Halo 3, I was just I was just matchmaking with strangers I had added to my friends list over, like, playing other games. And just, like, joining their custom lobbies offline and just kind of playing that way. But I really oh. just like couldn't understand. I'm like, I have no, I had to ask them to sort it out for me so I could play online because I just had no idea how to figure it out. So I had a very, I had kind of a similar situation with uh, that Hunter had with the adapter and everything. But yeah, Xbox Live is like just so crazy that you could finally do this on such a, like a streamlined availability. Because even like on PC, if you wanted to play, I don't know, like an MMO and kind of connect with other people, you'd have to, you know, like mess around with Ventrilo and try to set up servers and all that nonsense. The and that good was old days. Oh, yeah. Vent. I miss you. Uh, so yeah, Xbox Live, crazy. Then the other thing that they added, which was unique to, that started here, was the game marketplace. Having an online store where you could buy the games online. You didn't have to just go to the store now. Uh, every time and buy a physical although i mean i think pretty much everybody did that i don't think anybody was buying digital games yet i don't think the storage was yeah it enough. would take and the internet speed yeah, at the time, like it would yeah. just take really long oh, to download yeah. those games but there were specific things that came out of it i mean i remember specifically myself just gorging on things like xbox live arcade which was the service that basically they would um they they would so they would like cherry pick particular uh indie games that were 
they thought kind of had like a chance in the spotlight and you know like put them on this platform for everybody to check out like did you guys ever did you guys remember playing any particular xbox live arcade games oh i i remember one in particular uh, are you talking about castle crashers that is one uh i'm talking about the um astronomically high budget uh zombie slayer thriller i made a game with zombies in it yes uh, soundtrack yeah. of the of the year actually here's the thing you're kind of wrong that game is actually not on the xbox live arcade that was actually on the xbox indie games page so like after a little bit of them having the xbox live arcade where they would have uh specific indie games come out like limbo castle crashers alien hominid uh a lot of like arcade ports then they kind of created like a particular platform for basically anybody could make a game and they were all allowed to just put whatever they wanted on there and so you would just like get really weird games like uh just like really trashy platformers that looked like something someone made on flash and you would see on Newgrounds, and it would range to like a massager where it basically just makes your 360 control vibrate and you just kind of rub it on your back and on your chest yeah that's where you give yourself a massage how did i miss all of that Oh, I mean, That's... I was all over these pages every, almost every day. I would just like check through arcade and indie just to see like what is new. And that's how I found, yeah, that's how I found I made a game with zombies in it, which was this game that I tried. And it was just this twin stick, really like simple twin stick shooter where you're just like a little guy and you have a gun and you're just shooting at zombies as they come at you. And then the game gets progressively more and more insane while the creator of the game sings a song about the name of the game and how it only costs a dollar and you should totally buy it. It was absolutely bonkers. And yeah, I have memories of like playing it with Hunter and just being like, what the hell is going on? And the craziest thing about that game in particular is that the developer of that game was Matt Makes Games. And Matt Makes Games is also known for going on to make Towerfall Ascension and... Uh celeste that's that's maddening hold on yeah right so so this guy basically started making just dumb knockoff games on the xbox indie page and now he's you know like a really renowned game developer who made like a contender for game of the year for a lot of people and towerfall the our like 2016 addiction yes yes and we were also addicted to towerfall uh but yeah like this i think I don't know. I, I don't think a lot of people give enough credit to Xbox Live Arcade because I think it really just shot off the indie developers. Like before this, there really wasn't a market for that. There wasn't really like a space for an indie dev to make a legit game uh, and kind of get their name known. But like, you know, like Steam hadn't really taken off yet. I think I mean, Steam was around then, but I don't think anybody was using it until at least it was just for Team Fortress pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah, just like ha- Valve games and just like weird little niche things that they found. But yeah, I don't know. Crazy stuff with the marketplace. Uh, there was also demos. I mean, like being able to like download dem- uh, video game demos at any time and not just having to subscribe to um, like a particular like gaming magazine to get like a disc of like two to three. Like now you could just play any demo all at once. Uh, I have a lot of fun memories of just checking out random stuff that I only played 
one time or maybe even played a hundred times. Oh yeah. Like... I remember we played Crackdown a lot. Oh yeah, the Crackdown demo. That was iconic. Because basically it was just a full game that you had access to, but they gave you like a timer of about ten minutes or so. And so you just you could just replay it like a hundred times just every time doing something completely different, going to a different part of the map and exploring that way. I remember playing an, an a dumb amount of for, uh, the Force Unleashed with uh, the, the the demo when it first came out. Oh, yeah, that was that was a good oh. demo. I remember playing those games on the at spots. Oh yeah, absolutely. And first one was great. Second one left a lot to be desired. <laughs> Saying it lightly. Uh, so Eric, actually, there's a there's one topic that I think. It's really interesting because it happened on 360 and then it happened never again. And that was like just the huge, the the giant swath of Japanese games on the yes. 360. There were so many JRPGs that started off as exclusives. I mean, they eventually came to like PS3 and stuff, mm-hmm. but they were, they immediately just swarmed the 360. And mm-hmm. like, I can think of two right now. I mean... I think- Let's see if you remember uh, Last Remnant. The Last Remnant. Oh, man. Uh, Eternal Sonata. Eternal. That was the other game I was thinking about, which uh, <laughs> Eternal Sonata, which was originally released on the Xbox 360, and then they ported it to the PS3 with like new characters and stuff. But that was a good game. Yeah. There was also history made in the Final Fantasy series with Final Fantasy 13, 13. and 11. Yes, thirteen was the first main story Final Fantasy to make this. First of all, to go multi-platform, that was a big thing. Yeah. Before Square Enix or SquareSoft would just choose a console, like the first six Final Fantasies would go on Nintendo. Then they switched over to PlayStation, and once the Xbox, once like they were introducing this new Final Fantasy. They decided to just go multi-plat, and it's been like that ever since. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know. It's it's so crazy, like because there's so many titles, stuff like Blue Dragon, which was that weird, uh, like RPG that had like the style from Akira Toriyama. So it's like these weird, like Dragon Ball Z looking characters with giant blue demons following them around. Mm-hmm. Stuff like Infinite Undiscovery. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, Tales Odyssey. of Tales of Vesperia. Oh yeah, Tales well. of Vesperia, which is also pretty huge. Because mm-hmm. that was the first Tales game on the 360, and like so many games like this, like I tried to look up if there's like maybe like some deal going on between Microsoft and Japanese mm-hmm. studios where they tried to get exclusivity, but I really couldn't find anything on it. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's just really so weird. weird that yeah, like these these like iconic like like Japanese RPGs would be on a Western console first mm-hmm. and some, sometimes exclusive, like specifically like Lost Odyssey, which was uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi's um, studio, like making it and it never left the 360. Uh, but then, you know, like the Xbox One basically just died on the vine for right. the Japanese market. Like there's like statistics where you could find where like in a month, a an Xbox One might sell like like double digit copy like double digit uh consoles it's like maybe like 20 consoles in a month in japan which is like embarrassing playstation just dominates the the eastern japanese market when it comes to that but i want to get your thoughts like do you think that it's possible for the series so like with the one like they really flubbed it but with the series x the next console like do you think that there could be a resurgence for 
JRPGs because there's stuff like Tales of Arise that they showed off on at mm-hmm. E3. Um, there's like a big push with getting Fantasy Star Online 2 like for the first time ever coming to the Xbox 360 console. I mean the, mm-hmm. the Xbox One. Sorry. Yeah. There's also Kingdom Hearts is com- It's already in right on the Xbox, yeah, and they're bringing they're bringing all the Kingdom Hearts. I think they're this month they're releasing like every single Kingdom Hearts game for the Xbox. <clears throat> so I, I think I think we're just seeing just a lot of these JRPGs and Japanese uh, companies just go multi-plant. They just want every they, they're done with exclusivities. They just want everyone just to experience these games and whatever console they want even in pcs getting a lot of these jrpgs as well whereas you know japanese from my understanding in japanese in japan the pc is not as popular as consoles like again consoles dominate that market and Mm -hmm. especially with playstation so i think we're just seeing more just like multi-platform go all around so um i think with the xbox one and the PS, well, I'm sorry, with the Xbox Series S and the PS5, I think we're just going to see more less exclusives and there's more games just being playable on both consoles. Which is good for the community as a whole, I would say. Yeah, exactly. I think we're just, because I remember one thing about the Xbox 360 era was where like, it was super clicky. Like people would online would bash one another if they were like oh, a yeah. PS3, Xbox 360, like it was, it was so clicky back then, and we just don't see that as much now. I think it's really a lot thanks to not just, like, the invention. What was it? I was about to say the invention of the internet. I just mean, like, <laughs> like this, the popularity of the internet, like, really taking off social media right at the time of, like, these consoles coming out, that it really led to that backlash. Because, like, you know, before that, there, was, there were console wars. Like, you know, there were, like, right. the Nintendo fanboys and the Sega fanboys. Um, but I don't think it was ever like really like this close before. And I think it's more so the accessibility. Like everybody can just get on the internet nowadays. Yeah, exactly. But also, I think it's also like the way that they targeted their demographics. You know, it's like a lot of like really. I think it wasn't really like the start of like the edgy marketing towards kids being like, "Yo, like, are you a gamer?" Uh, type of thing. But I think it was like when it really got streamlined, and that's how like the idea of like what it means to be a gamer took place because the way that these companies would sell their stuff to their customers and it really pushed that mentality on people and to just like become diehards for their own consoles essentially so we've been talking about a lot of really cool fun stuff and we'll talk about that again you know like a lot of cool things that the 360 did but there's also like one big thing that happened that basically put them in a downward spiral and Hunter, you have firsthand experience with uh, the Xbox Connect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Connect, I, I did. Yeah. So the Connect is basically, like I mentioned before, the Wii was crazy. It was the, it's, it's. I think it's still the fastest selling console of all time, um, because the because of the motion controls craze and immediately, like, not immediately, but. Both Microsoft and Sony felt that they had to retaliate with their own version. And that's how you ended up with the PlayStation Move, which is just essentially just knock off Wii nunchucks with little balls at the end. And then you end up with uh, the Xbox 360 Connect, which is just like basically like cross past that from, oh, you have to hold a uh, controller and wave it around. Like, no, just your body is a controller, man. That's the future. 
I want to I want to know like I remember I remember my memory of the first time that they talked about the connect with Project Natal. Do you guys remember Project Natal? Oh yeah, I remember, I remember uh, that guy now. jizzing paint all over the wall. I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah, uh, that I have that, several questions. That was the part that you and I laughed at the hardest. I, I the the parts that I really like the girl who says like, "Oh, uh, let me like scan dresses into my my console, and then I'm gonna just try them all out, and it would just like morph them into her body." And create like a perfect mirror of like what she thinks she'll look like or uh or like the guy who like brings his skateboard and he like scans the bottom of the skateboard oh, yeah. and then they put it in the game and i was like yeah these are all like crazy things but it was like a few weeks after that i was like i don't think that that's possible <laughs> like ever <laughs> like this is it feels like this is the kind of technology that you see on the enterprise and star trek or something in some like utopian sci-fi tech uh tech city where they can just you know materialize these crazy ideas and basically it the connect turned out to be exactly what i thought it was kind of a hot mess trash but hunter you actually got it yes i did can you can you tell us what that was like um owning it what your expectations were uh, I only ever got the demo game. I believe I might have had Just Dance or rented it. I think you had the Connect Adventures. Yeah, is the Connect Adventures that not the demo disc? I don't remember. It's. I think it's like the. It's like one where it I just has it, like a I bunch it, of mini games in. No, I like, remember like the a, game, but I thought yeah. that that came with the Connect. I think it. I think it comes in like a bundle. I think if you Maybe. get the Connect with. Yeah, that that is the only game I remember playing. Uh, with the connect and yeah. uh that was the last game i probably played with that um was it a gift or were you a, you was it your own decision to get it no nah, i'm sure i asked for it for you know christmas or something like that but i definitely did i don't think i went out and bought that with my own money because it seems it cool, but i wasn't gonna pay for it yeah wasn't it wasn't it like a lot of money i don't remember that's probably another it like was, 100 bucks or something like i that. think it was 200 dollars actually I, that's what i was no, thinking it's like think so. around yes. maybe 160 something that was like 150 or something i don't maybe i don't know um either way i remember yeah i would remember coming to your house 150 originally yep. yeah i think it was 200 with like the bundle but yeah i remember coming to your house i remember there was this one game that we played that was called like God, I don't remember Steel Battalion, I think. And it that was actually like a familiar. That does sound familiar. That sounds it, familiar. It was actually a cool concept where it was you're basically in this robot tank. Yes. I do remember you, that. You have like a bunch you're inside the tank and you have like a bunch of buttons that you can press and they do different things. So Except it was like so hard to push the buttons. It's like yeah, so it couldn't you track just, your hands properly. You would like move stuff around and then if you had to like aim to actually shoot the bad guys you 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 would pick up your controller on your lap mm-hmm. you would actually like aim with it so it kind of saw that but like yeah the, the motion you like, tracking you had to like pull down the sights or something like that or like mm-hmm. it, it was something along those lines yeah but yeah the motion tracking was so terrible that it would just do things you weren't expecting i remember like specifically trying to open the shutter so I could look at the bad guys so I could shoot at them. And my character just 
instead of just moving his hand up to move the shutter, he moves it all the way to the left and and touches the self-destruct button, opens it, and I'm like, no, 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 go to the shutter. And he's like, okay. And he just presses it. And he did that at least twice. And I was like, this, oh, this could have been actually cool. This could have been like really maybe revolutionary, honestly. If if something like in this caliber could actually well, be solid and work, then maybe it would actually push companies to think that the Kinect was a good investment. But clearly not. It was not well, a good I enough mean, piece of hardware. But it did convince people to... I, I would say that it was pretty huge for motion tracking, and that's part of what... Um, I mean, obviously, uh, like you were said earlier, PlayStation has their move controllers and stuff. Um, but that became the basis for PSVR, which I've used a ton of, and I really enjoy. That's true. So, so there is some, you know, there's some positives that come out of it, I think. Um, but then they tried to bring it back for the Xbox One, and then nobody wanted it. Yes, the I think really, there were like a lot of issues that were going on with the Xbox One. But I think really, like, not even the nail in the coffin, it was just like, the hammer that broke the whole thing was that the PS4 was $400 on its own. And then the, the Xbox one would have been $400 if it was also on its own, but they made it so that every, every Xbox had to come with a connect. And yeah. that was an additional hundred bucks. And they made the mistake of uh, the always, or was it the always connected bragging about that? And that really the, backfired. The DRM. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying like they could have just ignored like that could have really all been ignored if they had just released a four hundred dollar console. Oh sure, yeah, and they eventually did, right? I I think Sony would still win, kind of, because they would, you know, people would just gotta keep ragging on them for stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be such a huge margin because that that was honestly like drastic. Like that E3 basically sealed the deal for that company. it, It ruined the Xbox One. Just all the bad press it got, and also just a little afterwards with the console not being as powerful as PS4 and all these other things that happened. Yeah, there are like things like that, and just the inability of them to be able to just like nail a mm-hmm. good exclusive because Sony was just knocking out of the park with stuff like Bloodborne, and you know, then you've got a War and Horizon and Spider-Man. Uncharted. Like nailing it with like all these games that it's like you need to have a PS4 if you want to be playing like the best games coming out. And Xbox, you know, like they have the multi platform stuff that like the third party games, but they just couldn't get a good like first exclusive. You know, like you you got Gears of War 4, but it was mediocre. You got Halo 5, but also mediocre. Also pretty mediocre. They tried to make a Fable game, and that got canceled. They tried to oh, yeah. work with oh, Platinum to make Scalebound, and that got canceled. Oh, that was the disappointment. Yeah. Of... Oh yeah. But it, yeah, it's not until like the maybe like the last two years with like the introduction introduction of Game Pass mm-hmm. and uh, like all these new acquisitions that they've been really planning. They're they like for years now. Like we've kind of been seeing them like like fortify themselves and really like get ready for the next console with the xbox series x i don't know like i, I want to get your thoughts like do you think that they're doing a good enough job that they could not necessarily like win the console war but like really gain back people to become like a big front runner in the race aren't like most of their exclusives also going to be on pc yeah yep 
So then I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've really been enjoying Game Pass, but it's not convincing me to buy an Xbox because I can play the games on PC. Yeah, I, I have a computer, so I personally am not sold. However, that does mean a lot of games that are PC only and, you know, it's, it's a much cheaper alternative than a computer. And from what I hear, the hardware is going to be like ridiculously sound. So, I mean... It's going to be a cheap option for a lot of people to yeah. get in. I just, I'm not, I guess it would depend on how the PS5 starts advertising their stuff, but which they need to start doing soon. Cause, uh, right? Because yeah, they claim that they're going to be selling it by the holiday season. And we have heard and nothing. nothing. Yeah, exactly. But as far as this is new at spots, like on paper, it looks like it's going to be more like, like graphically more like powerful than the PC that I have, which mm-hmm. we spent a lot of money on this. And yeah. if that's true, then it's definitely a good, not even alternative, but it's, it's even, it's, there's more value in getting like a new, this new next generation console. If it can do this much, if, if it can do as much as they say they do, it, it could also just be an overestimation or it might not right. be like, you know, PC always has like that better graphical, like options that you can do. It's looking like it's going to be a good, op- like a good option for these new games that are coming out. Right. And also, just a uh, like their their smart delivery, which oh is yeah, I wanted to talk about that cross buy. <laughs> yeah, so basically, basically, um, so if you haven't heard, so smart delivery is like a new system where, um, if you buy a game on something that is part of the Xbox family, that purchase will be transferable to basically any other device. So, if you so like for example, if you get, um. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. So if you okay, get September for your Xbox One, if you get that Series X, you can immediately just transfer that game to that console and you don't have to pay extra. Uh, and yes, Sony already had that idea with cross buy for the PS4 and the Vita, but they haven't really said anything about doing that for PS3, I mean, PS4 to PS5. And also, they're pretty notorious for doing remasters of all their crap. So like yeah. when 2013, when Last of Us came out the next year, they had Last of Us remastered on the PS4. So you have to buy the game all over. Which I did. Which I mean, like, yeah. it's a great game, but, <laughs> but you know, the like idea GTA, that... Like that, GTA 5, I bought five times at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I've, yeah. But I, I think it. like, like Microsoft's move to basically say like, hey, we're doing this and anything party publisher that wants to do it is good to go on our part it kind of it's putting the ball in sony's court it was like when they basically said that they were okay with uh cross-platform play like they said okay and then it was all waiting on sony's court again for them to say okay so people could you know play fortnite with whoever they wanted and stuff like that which of course sony being sony was like nah yeah took years everything so i don't know We'll, we'll have to see what they do yeah that was the 360, guys. So now that we kind of like gone over the history and everything, I just wanted to go through your particular top three memories. Not top three, like these are the official watch mojo's top three best memories of your childhood. <laughs> no, but just like I just wanted to grab like a particular moment of like nostalgia, something you really like hold dear about playing on the 360. So. Uh, I mean, I can go first. So the first one that I thought of immediately was 
back to that summer of 2007 when I first got the console, I had Madden, which is something that basically my brother would play and I would kind of just mess around with, but wasn't really that interested. And then it was me discovering um, the demos. Like there were so many game demos that I could play on the 360. It was nuts. And that's just where all my time would go. It was just like playing these free games over and over. And the one that like really stood out to me was uh, Final uh, Fantasy Star Universe, yeah, which is basically <laughs> it was like a an MMO on the 360. And if you download the demo, you basically get to play like a huge chunk of the beginning of the game, like absolutely for free. Like I don't think there was a free trial or anything. You just play as long as you want. And it was just like so cool being able to like interact with. I had experience with MMOs with World of Warcraft, but like I just being able to do that on like a console on my TV and just like meeting all sorts of strangers and doing like dungeons with them was just so cool. And I remember the people that I first got like playing Halo with were like was this French dude that I became friends with, like first friends. And I didn't even, <laughs> I basically just friended him because he was like really good at a dungeon I did with him and we were like friends for a while but never interacted until we were both back on halo and just like he taught me how to create a custom lobby and how to play with other people without having to use matchmaking and i remember like some of the games when i would play with him like i beat his butt like i really (laughs) whooped him as like a as like 12 year old kid and he would get so mad he would just like (laughs) curse me out in french (laughs) It was true yeah. friendship. Absolutely crazy. Just like it just kind of felt like the Wild West for me of interacting with strangers on the internet. So yeah, that's my first memory. Uh Tyler, how about you give one? Well, I have so many. Like the 360 era, there's just so many gaming moments, you know? Mm-hmm. But the one that immediately pops in my head is just all of the all of the random custom game modes in Halo Reach through the forge you know the the stupid elevators everybody made where it's just debris <laughs> falling down and you either had to climb up or or fly up and so a, i'll actually jump in on this shoot. if you have if you have like the same memory essentially you can just talk about it and then just bring it up again later but yeah, yeah i mean not with halo reach specifically uh, my memories was with halo 3 but yeah just getting in a party with friends and just like seeing like the crazy contraptions that people come up with oh ridiculous stuff griff ball hilarious oh yeah griff ball was like an original forge game and it was so yeah. that they literally made it like made a, it a thing in the real game which is yep. crazy thank you red versus blue you've done something for us i think like one of the games i really remember um was i think it was called ghostbusters Ghostbusters. Mm, with, yeah the uh the green gun the um the plasma pistol yeah so it was like two teams and like one was like a team of like ghosts or like which were like they were like invisible and they had uh, oh swords. yeah they had a sword and then the team of ghostbusters which had like a plasma pistol and it would you, track if uh, they were invisible yeah and they would track them and it was just like trying it was basically the ghosts trying to kill all the all the ghostbusters and like they had set up you know, they just like turned like all these like containers and random shapes into like a city essentially like had like skyscrapers yeah. they had small buildings and shops it was crazy what people were doing what a wonderful time now on the game pass with reach reach back oh i'm gonna lose some time so that backlog is 
never gonna get done yeah i'm I'm, i wonder yeah i wonder how this i'm curious if like the custom game scene is really gonna like pop off again or if if really like it was just a moment in time with that you know like it's not really gonna you can't really recreate that magic we'll see i mean i do think that that was like the center of 360 gaming at the time so like Oh yeah, that was that that's was where peak. most people spent their time. Whereas now, there's so many options that you really have to have something big to get that many people playing the same thing. That's true. Agreed. Um, Eric, what was your yes. first memory? I think one of my one of the things I remember is just in the summer, just playing an obnoxious amount of Call of Duty Black Ops, specifically. Call of Duty Black Ops Zombies. Me, my cousin and I would play. We would be on Xbox Live Party with like her friends and stuff, and we would stay up until like five, six a.m. just trying to get like up, to, you know, to the highest like waves or whatever. I think the highest wave that we got to was like round fifty, and we had it down to like a strategy. That's um, wild. It got to the point where we were just like, we need to die because like. We were in that game for like five hours and just like we're tired. We're just like, we need to stop. That's but pretty nuts. That, I have a similar one for that too. Yeah, that was like one of the things I remember most about this generation and, and specifically with that Spots 360. Tyler, you said you had something similar. Oh, I thought you wanted to wait till like we went through it. But uh no, um yeah, I played not not for Black Ops. I played uh World at War, which is the one right just prior of Modern Warfare. And no, it was after one. No, it was after oh, Sorry, yeah, yeah. my 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 fault. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight me. I'll meet you after the pot. God, do you remember but, uh, your first like the first time playing zombies and not knowing not knowing what not it was? Knowing. It was terrifying. Yeah. It was yeah. I was sitting with Dylan. He was watching me play. I was like, what is this zombie thing? I was, I was like, Nazi zombie. All right, shoot. And we sat there. Uh, like just on my uh on my bed just trying to figure out what we're doing and all of a sudden you just hear like the laughter i was like oh yeah what the hell is this yeah and then it was like i remember we would get so hyped when we would uh unlock the easter egg of like with the song um and do you guys remember that or no i have no idea for which one was it no 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 no, talking about black ops yeah yeah i do remember the song yeah World of War was crazy though. That was that was it's wild. Where I think me and Dylan where it made it. Started to... it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that was with the first one. But uh, it was I think me and Dylan got up to around thirty four was the max we got to, and we also had it down to a science. Hunter, your turn, I believe. Yeah, I mean, mine's kind of a mix of all everything that's been said. You know, like uh, I think we kind of touched on earlier, but just like for me, when I think of like the three sixty, I just think of like Xbox Live parties like that made up such like a large portion of that part of my life where you know you you go to school all day you know you talk to your friends or whatever but then like you get home and you immediately log in and join up in the party and like just you know go from there and you you literally stay in that until you're about to go to bed and mm-hmm. i think that's really like translated over the years with like i know after the 360 like kind of went to the wayside like we all moved to like a skype call and then you know we would go to like a you know got onto like discord or went to like other chats and stuff like that but you know that that was like the beginning of having 
a singular place for everybody to uh, communicate and to like hang out, you know, after school or work or whatever. And I think that's something that's kind of like continued to happen over the years. As soon as you mentioned Skype, uh, I was hit. I was hit with that nostalgia wave. We hit you with the Skype call. Oh, um, but, but yeah, and then you know, obviously, there's like a Halo Three Forge maps, like Carlos was talking about. Um, and another one of mine um, is similar to Eric um, because it's uh, Call of Duty, but it's Call of Duty Four, not uh, Black Ops. But I remember playing just in a in order like an, an enormous amount of time playing Mike Myers in Call of Duty Four, and uh, which is like where you have one person who just has a knife and everybody else has to go and hide. So it's basically hide and seek. And there were so many like glitches and little like uh, places that you could climb up that you weren't really supposed to get to. And it was like so fun, like finding all the different places that you could hide. And I mean, I played, I think I played Mike Myers for close to like 24 hours one time. <laughs> we're just like a large group of us just played all day long and all night. And that, that was like an insane day. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I don't know. It's weird because the Michael Myers thing kind of like, missed me. I wasn't really like, ba- like I didn't, I didn't really have games where I would join and do Mike Myers too often. But yeah, I remember all my friends talking about it and just like being so into just like such a simple concept, but it would get so crazy all of a sudden. Uh, so okay, my second memory uh was Halo Three custom game. So we went over that. So Tyler, you can go to your next one. Um. Man, probably still like waking up Christmas morning and plugging in and playing Halo Three. Um, let's see. My my next one was going to be zombies, so I guess we can go to. Well, actually, hold on. I'll I'll skip to one here. With with Forza Motorsports, I loved racing games with the original Xbox. I played a ton of Midnight Club, but for the early 360 lifespan, I was like. I didn't play any racing games at all. And I was, it was like, man, I just have this urge to play a racing game. And Forza, I still think it was Forza Motorsports 4. I'm not sure. Eric's got me kind of confused on that now. But uh, whatever, whatever Motorsport came out on the 360, that game I loved and fell in love with. Played that game for hours. And uh, I don't think I had live at the time. So I just played that alone. And it was just so much fun. I think the main, I mean, for me personally, the main uh, like racing game that took over the 360 was the Burnout Paradise. Like I know. all of my friends played Burnout Paradise. So many, I yeah, hear I that remember. from so many people. That was early 360, right? I I think it's, yeah, it was like 2008, probably. Yeah, somewhere around there, I'm sure. But I, yeah, I think that game in particular, just like I don't think we. Or at least for a while, we really hadn't received like a open world racing game. It was mostly just like particular like race settings and playing online, etc. Well, Midnight Midnight Club, Midnight Club, Midnight Club LA had an open world, but I don't think it had an open world uh, like online scene at all. Who made Midnight Club? Rockstar. Was it? Oh, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's why we're never gonna get a new one. Cool. Nope. Sounds good. Nope. <laughs> which is heartbreaking midnight club three i love literally all i mean i don't have any personal experience 
Midnight Club, but so many I, like I you and like other my other friends like talk about Midnight Club so much. It was it was the epitome of racing games to me, me personally <laughs> in my life. That's that's what started it. That's what ah oh, such a great game. Anyways, I can talk about it all day. Eric, uh, what's your next one? Yeah. Uh, so it's actually my stepbrother and I when I would go visit my dad in New York. Or when we would go to Puerto Rico all together, we would always try to find co-op games to play. And one particular co-op game that we got into and we just played so much in Puerto Rico. Like, we literally went to GameStop, we bought this game, played it for the week that we were in Puerto Rico, and then we returned it before we left and got our money back. Uh, That was Resident Evil 5. Oh. Um, So it was the first time I played Resident Evil 5. Um... And I just fell in love. It was my initial descent to like just co-op games and Resident Evil all together. And yeah, we would again another game. Where we would just spend every day hours. Just uh, we initially played the campaign in normal, and then we we're like, hey, let's try veteran. And um, we tried doing the mercenaries mode. We spent so much time there doing that too. Um, and yeah, that was all again in the Xbox 360. And was it I, your first Resident Evil? It was the first Resident Evil that I played. I would I've, I had seen my brother play uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica on the PS2, okay. and also Resident Evil Four on the PS2. Actually, you know the GameCube. Uh, um, speaking of game demos, the Resident Evil Five demo, which was that first big level, yeah, with the the assembly the hall guy, mm-hmm. like that thing rocked my world. Like it was so hard because they, you know, like. I mean, like before that, you know, they kind of ease you into the game like before that thing happens. Mm-hmm. But like in the demo, they just throw you right in there. And it is just like such a just clusterfuck of crazy stuff going on. And this giant guy with an axe and the gnats, you're like, what do I do? <laughs> There's like 30 <laughs> infected men just like chasing after you with machetes. And that you're stuck in this house at first and they all just break in. Yeah. It's like, where do I go? <laughs> what was the setting for that one? Africa. Africa. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I know which one you're talking about. And no, no particular country in Africa. Just no, Africa. Was, just Africa. Yeah, it was just like Africa. some villa. I remember that demo. Yeah, that was uh, that was terrifying. Okay, uh, Hunter, you already went through all you were saying. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't realize okay. we were going uh, one by one. <laughs> nah, no worries. Uh, so my next one, it was actually basically it was just my my indie game obsession um started with xbox live arcade so because i couldn't really afford like buying a big AAA game i would just all my money would basically go into buying like tiny games so like one of the big ones was castle crashers that kind of like took over my friends everybody was playing castle crashers and playing online together and like leveling all their different nights uh because there's so much replay value because you had to play through uh, a particular night's campaign like all the way through to unlock new nights and, and like you know you everybody would want to get like people like the panda bear or the ninja and stuff and i don't know like just i have really good memories of, like playing that game stuff like uh i remember getting into uh, metal slug for the first time stuff like marvel versus capcom 2 was like my first real fighting game that i was just like obsessed with i would play it so much even though i was just complete garbage at it 
I want to take you for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stuff like the um, the Scott Pilgrim game, this 16-bit beat-em-up, which was surprisingly good for a licensed game. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned I made a game with zombies in it like 50 times. That was pretty <laughs> awesome. Just like there were so many like weird little gems you just encounter on that store. And they would have so many events really highlighting it, like the summer of arcade where they would just like drop a new game every week and just be like, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. And I think that kind of like now I just like absolutely love indie games. And I think I can really like trace it back to just like playing it on 360 and trying out all these weird little things. And now I'm just like always looking for the next hidden gem wherever it is, like just watching trailers and seeing like recommended lists and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Thanks for the 360. I'm kind of the weirdo I am today. Tyler, <laughs> you have a last one? Um not not particularly. I I did I did have a question for Eric, however. What's since since we both have a relation here. Um did you ever play any of the Mass Effects on the 360 itself? It I've only played I only yeah, same. Mass Effect series really? on the 360. Yes. Yeah, I didn't play it. I didn't play it until the PC, but Really? Yeah, that's uh, what I thought was so wild. I have uh, Carlos and Diego to thank for that. They gave me all their copies and they forced me to play it. And I played <laughs> the game three times because it's, it was that good. It's actually really interesting. It was Mass Effect was like the first game I bought because of a review. Because I was really, so around 2007 was when I was really getting into the site game trailers and I would watch all the reviews and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had been seeing stuff about this Mass Effect game. And I was like, oh, it's like a sci-fi thing, but... I don't know. It looks kind of lame. Like all you do is like talk to people and there's <laughs> not that much shooting. And I was just like, kept my eye. I was just like, kept kind of like hate watching it. I was like, what is this game? It looks bad. But then game trailers did a review of it and they gave it like a, like a 9.7 or something. And I was like, whoa, that's really high. And I, I still can't believe I genuinely did it, but I went and like bought it like the week it came out like paid the full $60 and normally when I buy a game it has to be something that I've been like anticipating for so long like I knew like I know it's gonna be good stuff like Call of Duty or Halo 3 or GTA 4 but on a whim I just bought this game and I was like okay and now it's like one of my favorite games of all time and I as soon as I beat it I I beat it like another two or three times with like new characters I was just obsessed and now it's like one of my good games ever i just i don't understand how i flew under the radar for so long because i know i know i got into the first one as the third one was coming out or if it already came out already and i was like man what's with this hype around mass effect i've never even heard of these games my uncle played it but other than that i just kind of like take everything he says with a grain of salt you know it's like (laughs) hmm let me let me see and then He's like, oh, I have the disc for the 360 right here. And I was like, okay, word, let me try it. And I was like, what? Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think I passed around my copy so much that I think it, it just got lost to time. Like, I, I have no idea where I went. I but have it. Was it. Like... No, I have... <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yes, it's, it's in my bin where I have, <laughs> Carlos, I have two copies of Mass Effect 1. One of them is no, yours. No, I don't know who the thing is, is that I got someone else's copy of Mass oh. Effect. Oh. So I think you might have the other copy, someone's copy that I have. 
So it might not be my original copy. It might be What's somewhere in there. We got to do some sleuthing, boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Eric, your last dream. Yeah. I mean, your last memory. <laughs> a dream. Uh, uh, speaking <laughs> of dreams. Uh, an- oh, that, another podcast for that. Sure. Um, yes, okay. So the Xbox 360 was one of the first consoles where you know I started checking out the demos like you guys. And it was one of the consoles where I literally, there's this game that I knew nothing about, but I downloaded the demo. I played the demo. I played the demo 10 more times. And then I was like, yeah, this game is for me. And I bought the game, and that game was Dragon's Dogma. Oh yeah, I had th- I had no idea what this game was. I had, did not see any videos, no information. It was not even on my radar. I think, I think either you, Carlos, or Diego t- had told me about it. He's like, yeah, I go think check it might it out. have been. I remember like seeing a lot of hype about you it. You said it was like sort of like Monster Hunter, but more mm-hmm. RPG uh, elements to it. So yeah. I checked it out and literally just it was insane how quickly I fell in love with the game and um the full game itself was it you know it had its faults but like I had such a good time playing it um and it's one of my favorite games on the 360. It's so good. It's it's like absolutely insane that we haven't gotten a sequel yet. Like, I know. Cuz so many people were clamming for it and it was such a huge like it was a hit. It was like a big hit, and they keep re-releasing the game, mm-hmm. the expansion pack, and everything. It's like, hey, give us what we want. Like it's on the Switch now. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Okay, we have gone through every memory, uh, and now I have an extra little thing I wanted to do before we move on to the backlog, and that is a trivia game. Oh. Uh oh. Oh. This is called. Was it there on launch? So this is going to be a list of games for the 360, and it's either going to be a game that did come out like when the 360 launched, 2005, or it came out at some later date. So how we're going to do it is I'm going to say the name of the game, and then each one of you will give me your answer, either yes or no, and then I will, I will say it, and then you'll get a point if you get it right. If it's a no, I will let anyone have like tell me the release date. And if they get that right, it's just to be the month and the year. If you get that right, you get another point. So, okay. All right. Good. Give it a shot. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This is going to be fun. Number one, cameo, elements of power. <laughs> I have no idea. So no. cameo, I don't know if you guys remember, it is like it was like a rare game. It was like the first game that Rare made for Microsoft after they got bought from Nintendo. I don't, I don't even know if they were owned by Nintendo, but uh, so yeah, when they got bought by Microsoft, this was the first game that they made, and it was like you play as this like fairy girl who like turns into different monsters, and you fight a bunch of orcs. Sure. No idea. All right, <laughs> not an any bells. <laughs> Give me an answer. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with no. Uh, no. I'm gonna go with yes. Yes. I'll also say yes. It's yes. It did come out. Oh, hell yeah! Oh. So much for ask Eric. Huh? Right, Tyler one, Eric zero. Uh, all right, next one. Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Oh, that's a no. I said no. No. <laughs> 
Wow, Hunter. That was like t- seven, 2007, I think. Yeah, I think it was like a year uh, after the release. You're correct. It is not a launch title. But okay, give me your guesses as to what you think the release date is. I'm pretty sure it's 20, uh, 20 I think it's 2006, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm pretty sure it's, I don't know why I want to say August, but I'm pretty sure it was like the start of a school year because I remember getting that game. January. It was er, it was early 2006, so anywhere between like January and March. You think I don't know. Early? Yeah. I don't need an answer. I'm going late. I'm going late 2006. I said a month. I need a month. I'll go. But I'll they, go March. Uh, March is correct. What? Wow. Huh. It's a point for Eric. Huh. I remember that game coming out. I just, I just what? don't remember like. Huh. You are a robot. All right, here we go. Uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Uh, I had that game early. No? Maybe. I never owned it, but I'm going to go with yes. It was. I think it's a no. I think it's a no. Tyler? I said yes. It's a no. Because I remember that game also came out for PS3 at the same time. Mm. I just don't remember the date. <laughs> okay. Somewhere okay, in 2006. 2006. Hunter, do you have a guess? January 2007. Tyler, do you have a guess? I'm tr- February 2007. It was March 2006. Yes. Uh, it was the week before Oblivion. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. Um. Okay. Gears of War. Oh, God. The first one? Yes, the first one. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go with yes. Yes. Okay, Hunter. Screw it. No. <laughs> uh no okay uh yeah it's a no (laughs) okay can you well then when the date was january 2007 (laughs) january 2007 yeah okay uh anybody else I say March 2006. <laughs> I swear to God, it says March. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, it is November 2006. Ah, I was close. Okay, all right. Next one: Condemned Criminal Origins. Um. Yes. Yes. No. It's a yes. Okay, oh, hell yeah. Batting 100, baby. <laughs> okay, next one. Need for Speed Most Wanted. No. no. Yeah, that's, Wait, that's a no for even, me, dog. We didn't even guess the no, date. But no. no, Tyler. It uh, says I'll yes. No. Wait, no, I said condemned as a yes. Oh. Wait. Okay, wait. No. So, so, Hunter says no. Eric says no. Tyler, what do you say? I say no. No? That's a yes. Really? No! What? That's so crazy. I played that game. I don't feel like I would have known. So uh, some of these games actually came out before uh, the November 2005, which was the release date of the 360, but they were like on PS2. Was it on PS2? Yeah. I think so. Maybe because I think that's where I played it. Might have been a port. Okay. Next one. Mm. Next one. Uh, Viva Pinata. (laughs) No. No, but it was. I remember that game was. Yes. 
Okay. It is a no. No. I, I distinctly remember the commercials for that. I'm pretty sure that was late, wasn't it? Okay, well, can you guess? Uh, I think like 07. I was going to say 2007. I think it was like November 2008. The answer is November what? 2006. Oh, shit. Two months off again. Damn it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels pretty wrong. Again, back to demos. I played the shit out of the View Pinata demo. Really? I, oh my god, I was obsessed with it. I wanted the game so bad, but I just didn't buy it. Anyway, moving on. Quake 4. Yes. Uh, no. Eric? No. It's a yes. Hell yeah. What? Baby. Eric, didn't you say yes the first time? I thought you said yes. No, that was me. No, I, I said Hunter said no. I mean, Hunter oh. said yes. I said <laughs> You oh. get it. <laughs> no, he said yes, and yes, I said no. Yeah. Uh, okay. Command and Conquer Three: Tiberium Wars. Tiberian. Tiberium. No. I have no idea what that is. I'm gonna guess no. You don't know Command and Conquer? Nah. What? I don't think so. You over here talk it's so much RTS. about RTS games, and you never uh, played Command and Conquer. Uh, I know um, I have it for the uh, humble fan. bundle, but uh. All right. So what did you say, Hunter? You said no. Eric, yeah. you said no. Tyler, you said. I said also no. It is a no. Everybody Woo! gets one. Name. Uh, can anybody guess? Date. January two thousand seven. <laughs> I'm gonna go March two thousand seven. March two thousand seven. Eric and Tyler get a point. Kaya! Right, uh, so you gotta have this brain link. Brain here you go. Here's the link. last one. Call of Duty 2. Oh, Big Red uh, 1. Yes. Yes, uh, right? Oh, no. Um, I'm only yes. I remember that game came out for it PS2. Is, it is a yes because it was on PS2. It's a yes. Okay, so everybody says yes? Yes. Yes. It's a yes. Yeah. Oh. Ow, yeah, because I had I had up till three on on PS2, I think. Maybe. All right. Final tally. We got. We oh wait oh I got the names wrong. Whoops. What team? We got what? Eric, with seven. Ooh. Tyler, with eight. <gasps> Ooh. And Hunter, Hunter with, with eight. Oh. <gasps> So it is a tie. He's so good. Tyler uh, and Sir. Hunter, uh, you are now both the Supreme Chancellors of the 360. Oh, yeah. dude. Sweet. That's the official title. You can put do that I on get your to, resume. Do I get to go around and yell that I am the Senate? Close enough. Yes. Okay. Sweet. And now we get to the big boy, the big part. Actually, that's not even true. This is actually, That was actually the biggest part of the podcast. But now we're <laughs> getting into the backlog. Now we're yeah. going to get into the games that we've been playing, that we want to discuss, we want to uh, give our two cents on. Um, yeah. with, normally I go first, but what do you like to go first? Before No, I I'm do. full of shame. Tyler, uh, Eric, you want to go? Yes, because I've been, right. this is fresh, hot off the press. Actually, <gasps> in, 
breaking I, news i think i think we're gonna talk about the same thing but i have okay. you down as the first thing to talk about is the final fantasy 7 demo oh is that what i'm talking about <laughs> well i just wanted to no no no. we could we can talk about the other thing but i just really wanted to get just like your thoughts on paper real quick okay yeah we okay okay because that's also that's that's even fresher yes. um i played Fresh. it yesterday and it is so beautiful it, I played it twice. It is not just like I thought it was going to be like more of a Kingdom Hearts where you're mindlessly like attacking, but it's it it requires more strategy than what I originally thought yes, it would. It's got a, yes, it's got a much slower pace. Mm-hmm. It's more it's more what's the word? It's more uh, boots on the ground, yeah. as the Call of Duty kids say. So there's not <laughs> I was about to say because there's not a lot of flying around like Final Fantasy 15 and Kingdom Hearts three have, where you just kind of like whip it through the air. But basically. If you guys haven't played it yet, um, it's essentially like you press, you have like two buttons that are your main attacks and you're like doing damage as you do. It fills up your ATB gauge. Mm-hmm. And so that time battle gauge. And so what that does is gives you the opportunity to stop time and use like a special ability. So you could use like a potion on yourself or you mm-hmm. can use magic, uh, like magic or like a special attack like Braver, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of Cloud's classics. And yeah. yeah, so far the combat feels really good. Mm-hmm. Like it feels tactical, but it also feels like crunchy and kind of arcadey. Yeah, uh, and, and the from the demo, I was like, it was not just like a walk in the park. It was kind of challenging trying to you know figure everything out, but also oh, like oh yeah, oh yeah, I was getting my butt kicked a lot. Yeah, especially by the boss and and um, <laughs> just making you have to like time its attacks and um, making sure that like you're just not again mindlessly pressing like square just to do his basic like cloud's basic attacks because it doesn't mm-hmm. do that much damage it, it's it's meant for you to build that atb so you can unleash those you know powerful spells or uh abilities because those are the real damage um dealers and, you know overall just the way that cloud and barry are interacting with one another it just reminds me of like my favorite part about final fantasy 15 and how those characters interacted with each other um so i am super excited for this game even more so now i was a little like oh for sure i was a little like you know scared i'm like what if you know what if they're just overhyping this and yeah it's it's gonna flop but i I, mean now i'm just have a a, a better confidence that this game's gonna be super fun and yeah i wasn't too scared i think it was just kind of like a thing where brain was just wasn't thinking about it that much like i think it was just like it been in my mind for so long that I just kind of like, oh, whatever, it's going to come out and I'll play it. And it wasn't until like the first second of like the beginning of this demo that I'm like, yep, I'm back in. I want this game right now. I want to play this <laughs> immediately. Just so crazy. I think there is one thing that's kind of like a mixed bag for me is like when the game, when when like they they start showing trailers like earlier this year, like late last year. Mm-hmm. Um, with like Barrett's voice and stuff, there are like people being like, "Ah, he sounds a little stereotypical, stereotypical black guy." Mm-hmm. And I was like, at first, I was like, "No, no, it's not that bad." But then I'm like, "Yeah, uh, he does sound a little like too yeah. obvious, like very." And that's the thing; like some of the dialogue does have that feeling of like it really does feel like this was written by like a Japanese guy, essentially. You know, like they're writing like American characters, kind of. Yeah. And so they have like those kind of almost like anime tropes with like some of the. I mean, it wasn't too 
like noticeable it was just like some particular bits and like there's still like pretty there's some gold like i was so worried that they would ruin cloud and just turn him into like this emo character when like his original version was like this kind of sarcastic whippy guy mm-hmm. and like there are a lot of good quips in yeah. that demo like he says like when Barrett goes into this rant about like, can't you hear the planet calling out? He's and like, calm down. He's like, you, need, he's like, you need help. Oh, you can actually hear their voices. Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you should get help. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Stuff like that. That is so, really funny. <laughs> yeah. Also, so he's, like, he said his, his uh, signature line of not interested. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like force. It's not like super like, oh, here's my catchphrase. It just kind of like came out of nowhere. He's just like, no, not interested. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Which is great. I don't know. I'm I'm hyped. I'm I'm pumped. I'm also I don't know like if this game's gonna be more linear or more like open world. I still don't know that feel yet, but regardless, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh Hunter, uh I have you down to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Yeah, uh got back into that recently. I I wanna ask, because I think You've been off Call of Duty for a while now, right? Oh, yeah. I was about to say, uh, I mean, like, growing up, I played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, like, I think all the way up until, like, Modern Warfare 2, skipped Ghost, played Black Ops 2 a little bit, then after that was Infinite Warfare, and then was that World War 2 after that? Well, Oh, you're missing Advanced Warfare. Oh, Advanced Warfare. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play that one much either. I have Infinite Warfare, didn't play it very much. So that was I wouldn't even consider that one accounting, I think. Right. So, so what yeah, made you jump while. win with this one specifically? Um, I think it was like the gun customization and like gunplay of it. Oh. And then it like was very uh it's it felt like it was really like um back to its roots, like Call of Duty Four, you know, Modern Warfare like two, stuff like that. Uh, so I was like, you know, I'll I'll give it a shot, and I I saw some people playing it, and I think uh, I don't remember if I started playing it first or if EJ and Clay started it first, playing it first. Not Clay. Clay definitely was not playing it. Maybe to convince him to play. EJ and I have sunk a ton of hours into that game since uh, we started playing it, and they're teasing a battle royale mode that should be coming out soon, but. We don't have a date yet, and so I haven't. I've been taking a little bit of a break on that game, but once that comes out, I'll probably hop back onto it. But I've I've uh I've gotten gold for a bunch of guns. Haven't quite gotten platinum or um, Damascus, which is like when you get gold for all of the weapons in that class. Okay, um, it's a pretty big grind. It's a lot of grind, but it, it it's really solid. I I've I think it's the best one. I would say since probably like black ops maybe like mm. it's it's really good okay what are your thoughts i'm assuming you played through the campaign yeah i did yeah what are your thoughts on that uh you know it's pretty it's pretty typical i would say um they brought back some like old characters um it definitely doesn't hold up to the original campaign like call of duty 4 campaign or world okay. at war and black ops those three like i think were the best Call of Duty campaigns. I, one, two, and three obviously were very good in their own right, but I guess of like the new generation, mm. um, those three were the best. This one was pretty decent. Um, it had most of your typical stuff, like you know, you got your 
one you got your stealth level i do like their um they don't like a lot of like tactical operator levels where you're like breaching and clearing buildings like with night vision and stuff like that but it was a little bit more like rainbow six style breaching than like um because you know you have like your stealth missions in like call of duty 4 that were pretty solid these were like reminiscent of that but like they felt very real do you think so i'm curious because a lot of the the talk before the game came out was that a lot they're really trying to change the feel of warfare with this campaign and they're trying to make it not that you're just like the super cool awesome guy but rather it shows like the gray morality of you know like conflict. Well, do you think yeah. they did that or uh, i mean they touched on some topics that were pretty relevant i would say like because everybody in the game you only play as like mercenaries essentially there's no you're not a part of the u.s or sas or anything like that like you're all uh mercenaries and you are like contractors i guess is more the term um but there's like one like mission where you capture this like terrorist and you like you know you've got him you're trying to like interrogate him whatever but then like the city kind of like rises up because like even though he's like the enemy of your country like he is loved by his country and like these Mm -hmm. people like storm the embassy and like you know rescue him essentially and it's like we we kind of saw that actually like in real time almost where with the um the drone attacks on uh i forget his name but the uh like on the iranian soil do you remember oh, that? yeah the iranian general yeah so sure. uh it, that, that was a very similar thing where it's like to us it's like oh yeah we killed a bad guy you know but to them it was like he was you know a staple of the community but yeah i mean it was nothing i you know it was nothing like groundbreaking i would say but it's pretty solid i think it it, you know it had a lot of the tropes that you expect with a call of duty game but um it was was pretty solid all right sure anything else on call of duty let's mention i don't believe so i think that's that's about it all right tyler Let's talk so, about your new obsession, uh, Escape from Tarkov. Yeah, let's um, let's let's talk about that game. So first off, just like the people in this room basically know what that is, but like, what is this game? Well, a lot of people kind of like throw it around of like, oh, it's just another like battle royale type game. When it's it's really not. It's kind of like far from battle royale. The it's only... kind of a throwback, isn't it? It's kind of bring, going back to. It's more rust and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it would be more like a very miniature version of Daisy in a way. So you load in and your only real objective is to escape from the map. And you're given you're given a list of exit points that you can go out of. You're you have no map, you have no idea where you're going. You're just supposed to kind of like no, you, you once you figure it out, you're like there's clues and stuff. And there's like I've said, your your main objective is to escape the map. While you're doing that, you have to, of course, fend off any like any players that you come across, any uh, anybody like groups teaming up trying to just also escape or get loot. But there's also actual NPCs loaded into the map who are extremely dangerous. I did not think they were going to be that dangerous, but my God, have I died to? I've died more to the NPCs than I have uh, other like players oh wow yeah they're they're intense man and it's not so much like 
they don't wear much armor unless you get to the boss because there is a boss for each map and they'll have guards who are heavily okay. armed and armored but the just the day like the average scavenger that you run across has no armor and just one shot to the head and they're typically down okay but um it's it's really it's more semi more more realistic than say like a PUBG or or um I, CSGO, there we go. I couldn't think of the name of that game. So it's kind of like the Division Dark Zone then, really. Um, yes, yeah, actually. So you go into this area, you're shooting NPCs and you know, regular people, and you're just trying to get loot and try to get out. Yep, loot and scoot. Yeah, that's like, actually like exactly the same. Essentially. <laughs> the difference being you don't... you. I'm not sure how too much how it works. You basically what you loot, you keep. Yeah, that's the same. But that's, like, that's I, the whole I, reason you go into the dark zone. But the thing with the dark zone, here's my here's confusion about this game. Is Shoot. that with the dark zone, you're picking up loot that is going to you're going to carry this for the real game or like the rest of the game, which was, you know, doing regular dungeons and like you ah, know, correct. raids yeah. and whatever. But in this game, the dark zone is it. So yeah. why so what what is the point of having all these if you're just gonna go back in and die? So like, and risk it, yourself. It, it depends because there is like a map progression. So there is a there's four maps available right now, a fifth map that you can unlock through the actual game. The scav boss on two of the maps drops a key that allows you to enter the labs per se, and it's that's the real challenge. And in that sense, it's more like a, it's a lot like a battle royale where the reward is just you get out, you get your reward, and you leave. So like it's just that replayability factor. There is no, it, I guess I guess you just you're looting to get more money, purchase better weapons and better gear, so you can go in and do more successfully and there's quests you can actually take with a lot of the um the store managers that the uh, the traders that you talk to through the menus they give you quests and objectives you can take care of with usual bonus rewards you have a hideout that you can upgrade and it helps you with um with making like your own medicine and your own i think you eventually can make your own bullets i'm mm. not i'm not entirely sure I'll have to look that one up. But uh, as I'm only like level, I think I'm level eight right now. So, which means I've probably played about like 20, 25 games or so. Okay. Sorry. I'm curious, like, I don't know, like, what was the initial pull? Did you just like feel like so, this? I watched a whole bunch of streamers be playing it, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of them describing like the fact that they've played a ton of Apex, a ton of PUBG, and it's just like they don't get the same, the same like feeling, the intensity that they used to when they first played those and Tarkov if if anything is like it's so intense it's every fight is so rewarding if you if you live and even when you die and you lose the stuff that you're carrying with you it's usually not that much of a loss because if you've stockpiled up you have more guns in this dash and then if you're literally flat broke and have nothing you can load in a preset character that they give you every 18 minutes or so that has gear and has stuff and you can use them to go in and grab more weapons, grab more gear, or just do the same thing, go in and get killed. But there's been several instances where I've walked in 
literally with nothing but a knife on me, no armor, no gear, nothing, just flat broke. Walked in with a knife, found a weapon in a weapons case, used that to kill two scavs, got some gear, killed a player, took his gear, and ran out because I was terrified <laughs> to lose all the shit that I had just got. <laughs> sure. But it's 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 got a really neat level of depth to it that's just does not get old. And um, I think a lot of people are scared about that whole losing their loot type deal. It's just like, well, I just sure. worked so hard for it. But I'm like, I mean, but did you? Because you load into a game of Apex every time and you start with literally nothing. It's the same concept. But it is like, right, it's not like a punishing thing where you can only do it a certain time, certain amount of times a day or something. Or no, 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 games no, no, last a really long time. It's kind of like the same amount. It's like a battle royale, you'd say. Maybe. It's about 20 minutes a match, depending on okay. when you when you it's leave. It's like a PUBG match. Essentially, it, it'd take about 15 to 20 minutes, depending on when you want to escape. You can literally escape at any point in time. Okay. You can load in, be like, it's actually a viable strategy to, you, once your scav, which is the scavenger character, is up, and you can play as a scavenger, you could just walk straight out the door with the gear. If you're like, wow, I really like this gun. I'm just going to keep this gun. All right. So, yeah, super engaging combat. It's so nice. It's and it's actually it's really clean. I mean, I'm not sure how well optimized it is. I get 60 frames. I think I get like a little over 60. But you're not but, feeling that PC kind of like new game jank like you normally get with like no 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 it's, no it's polished fairly I'd say okay no not bad and yeah. it's like 40 bucks right uh 45 hmm. 44 okay. 99. All right. Which I thought was like, honestly, for the what you're getting, it's. I, I'm I've got my money's worth out of it so far. I'm sure. I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. This game's super fun. I'm trying to get right. Fence a few friends to get it, but. Escape we'll see how that turns out. Sounds pretty good. Thank you, Tyler. It's very fun. All right, I will go to me. My first game I wanted to go through something from the backlog I knocked off, which is Ori and the Wit. Uh, no, not ooh. Ori and the Blind Forest. I keep getting the sequel and the original game mixed up. So, are you guys yeah, familiar with Ori? I've seen a bunch the of that. Side, the side scroller platformer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this is a game from a studio that got acquired by Microsoft. Um, it's basically like this really pretty Metroidvania. Um, you play as this little, like, white creature. Uh, and the story is that basically like you're in this magical forest and there's this world tree and this event happens and like you're basically born from the light of the world tree but you kind of get lost in like a scuffle and you just kind of like get lost in the forest and you get uh, cared for and protected for by this big creature I forgot the name but it's like this big almost looks like Snorlax kind of and it's basically Sweet. like they're your mom and they take care of you uh, but at one point they basically they pass away and you kind of have to find you have to like leave home and find your place in the world and soon after you're kind of like told about what your fate is it's basically that you have to you're part of this world tree and you have to bring balance to the forest by aligning the elemental essences uh so yeah you just basically going on this adventure um so the thing they don't really talk about is that this game is like Metroidvania as heck. Like it is like a 
it's actually a pretty good one at that. Um, it's got like a really strong emphasis on like platforming. Uh, the combat is really interesting because you basically have this little wisp that follows you around, kind of like uh, Navi from Ocarina of Time, except that it shoots like these homing projectiles. And so the game is less about, you know, like trying to get your hits like correctly, like the way you would in like a Castlevania or like a Metroid. It's really about like dodging and focusing on platforming while spamming the attack button. So like just automatically fire on your enemies. So yeah, I mentioned before, um, so it's like a 2D side scroller, but uh, the land, it's got, it's like a guy like this beautiful landscape where it's just kind of like this 2.5D essentially, where the backgrounds just have like a huge layer of depth, even though you're only on like a 2D field. Everything feels like really lush and all the, uh, all the environments are just like constantly moving and feels feels like very everywhere that you uh, explore. Um, I had a really good time with it, except for it's actually pretty hard. Like it's actually one of the hardest Metroidvanias I played. Uh, one of those things is like you can really screw yourself over, putting yourself in a position where, like the last time you saved, you had like half a heart. And you have to like progress through this entire gauntlet of uh, spikes, and if you get hit once, like you're out and you have to start all the way from the start instead of like having the mana bar saved, so you could just save midway and save yourself the trouble. Yeah, and the platforming gets really intense at times. Uh, there's these segments where, when you basically when you find the elemental essence, which is basically like the the big dungeons of each zone of the map when you finally like fix it or whatever uh it creates like this huge epic uh sequence where you have to escape from the zone that you're at before being like consumed by the element that you just saved so if you go to like the water essence and you like fix it it creates like this flood that basically like tries to drown you and you have to like escape but those segments are like the hardest part of the game and it sucks because like they're also like the most visually striking and so like there's these moments that um like they're so beautiful to look at it almost feels like it reminds me of like a sequence in like like an uncharted game like a big but the thing is is that it's because it's so hard it's you can't really appreciate it because you just keep dying you have to keep keep hearing like the same music cue and the same visual element. Um, and it's just so annoying not being able to appreciate like the beauty of the game because you're just getting so frustrated staring at the same screen over. Uh, so I don't know. I, I just wish that there was like a they would kind of leave the hard stuff for things like boss fights and optional uh, gauntlets that you can take instead of putting it in the places where you don't actually want something to be hard. You want something to be a one and done thing where you can just cruise and look at the amazing presentation. But I don't know. But I don't know. I, I like the game. Kind of excited about the sequel game pass. So I'll probably check it out day one. So Sweet. yeah. I was gonna That's... say I've seen like so many ads for it. It looks like stunning. 
yeah it's absolutely gorgeous like the from what i've seen from the trailers it, everything that this one did it is just turning it up to 11 visually there's going to be more giant set pieces there's going to be even more bosses more cool powers you can do i'm really looking forward to it sweet more is always better so yeah that's will of the wisps no the blind forest god damn it i keep getting the name wrong <laughs> big uh, oof Fake oh fan. one cool thing about the studio which i believe i think called moon studio um a few years ago there was a fan of metroid who had been making a remake of metroid 2 called not another it was called like not another metroid 2 remake and they basically like, created like this fan version where they used later style of metroid game like on the game boy advance and they took the original game boy metroid 2 game and they made it in that style like perfect perfect re- replica of it and it was so cool but then like two days after the game came out uh nintendo seasoned assisted him so he had to take it down but right because like it kind of got a lot of notoriety for it. like what happened um he got an invitation uh he got a job uh like from moon studios who was working on wisps time and they're like, hey we saw what you can do like if you can pass this test uh we want you to work on our game and then he did and he like basically he's working on one of the wisps which is like absolutely crazy eric back to you so back to your fresh oven of goodies so oh, yes you talked about seven but now you've been playing kingdom under fire the crusaders the crusaders uh... so this is a game for a little backstory this was a game on the original xbox that i had seen and i was like whoa this looks like the future and then i showed it to you and you were like whoa this is amazing (laughs) this weird thing where you and me basically liked this game and it's something that i mean have either of you ever heard of this game before Mm -mm. no i can't say that i have i don't think i've ever heard anybody mention this game in the wild like ever it is a completely just like forgotten in the hidden gem except for that they were working on like a sequel kingdom under fire 2 for like 10 years beta yeah and then it turned into like a weird mmo and it just a complete mess but anyway kingdom under fire 2 describe this game yeah kingdom of fire the crusaders so it is best way i can describe it is it's a hybrid rts um so basically in the game there's four campaigns each campaign has like a a leader and that leader has um units that he can control or whatever like the the leader controls the main infantry unit but then you can also add like a cavalry archers and you can upgrade these um uh units by increasing their levels and then also changing their jobs or whatever um but essentially it works like an rts you send out your troops to position themselves or attack other um other the enemy troops um and you but the thing is with this one it's like with normal rts's it's kind of like a over 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 the top view where you just kind of like click and dragging things together but this one it's uh like a hybrid which is like Basically, once your your main leader, your infantry unit, once he goes into he or she goes into battle, then it turns into a hack and slash sort of like 
warrior style, like Samurai Warriors, Dynasty Warriors, and you're just essentially just doing strong attacks, light attacks, and combos, and stuff like that. So it's sort of like the best of both worlds, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've not seen any other game do something like this. Yeah, it's Um, so good. Like, instead of just kind of, like, throwing in your units and just kind of, like, waiting out to see, like, which one's going to come out on top, you basically, like, yeah, you take your guy, you take his main force, you take it against another enemy, and you just literally, like, smash him to bits with, like, your special combos and stuff, and you build up, like, meter, and then, like, as you build up meter, you special moves on them. You can call your allies to, like, help your your, your two sub-officers. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll, like, do, like, special assist attacks for you. That's cool. Yeah, the only thing was that kind of sucked was that you could only do it with one troop. Like, I always right. wish that you could put, like, officers on your other platoons so that they could also attack, but for the most part, it's, like, only this one. Yeah, the main character of that specific campaign is the only one you're you're able to control in the fights whereas all your other units are just normal units that will do you know archers will just use their fire their arrows or a cavalry will go in run in and out um so it was a little limiting in that sense but it's so fun just playing as like because the main the 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 main characters of the campaigns are tip they're tech they're cool and you want to play as them for the majority of the time anyway um Mm -hmm. But yeah, so this game, what I remember when we played it all those years ago, it was a lot harder. Um, yeah, it, it's I don't even know if it's because we were just younger back then. We just didn't understand the concept. Um, but I, I've been playing it because so they re-released it on Steam a couple days ago. So that's why I just like you know I saw it, I'm like oh this is. I've not seen this game in a long time. I've been wanting to play it because I, ne- I, I never had the chance to play it outside of just going to your house because I never had an Xbox yeah. um, growing up so or an, an original Xbox. So once I saw this game on Steam, I was like, I got it. I have to get it. Uh, and I breezed through the the first campaign, which is, uh, I mean, mind you, it's difficulty is easy. Um, and right now I'm going through the normal campaign and I've been, Doing pretty well until I got to mission eight, and that's when like things are like, oh, okay, I'm starting to remember why this game was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got like I'm I'm gonna go back to it. And I'm pretty sure I can like I know what I need to do, but I'm I've tried this mission like three times, and I just kept dying and dying and dying. And, uh, um, yeah. But... The thing we didn't mention is that it's like super fantasy so it's not just like typical like uh medieval knight i mean there's the medieval knights and stuff but right um, but there's like elves elves and and orcs and vamp half vampires and vampires and and it's kind of like uh it's kind of like uh total war warhammer because there's units that are just like absolutely bonkers where you can like summon you can get like a giant scorpion essentially Mm -hmm. to just come into the field and just wreck shit up one yeah. of like the scariest units is like the mammoth. Mammoth, yes, it's like this <laughs> mammoth that has like this magical artillery on its back, and it just fires like fireballs at people. And then All you're like, "Oh shit!" If he's too far away, he's gonna wreck my shit. <laughs> but then if you get close to him, he'll just like stomp on your little troops. It is like <laughs> crazy how this game gets. You have to like send out your wyverns to attack and all this. It's it gets big. I'm excited too. So. 
I've I've not played the hard campaigns, but I heard that's where like it gets real. Where... Yes, I remember specifically because one of the two hard campaigns are Regnier, who's like the main bad guy, mm-hmm. and then and Kendall, Kendall, who's one of the humans. And I remember specifically playing Kendall, getting to mission two, and I was like, I'm out. I can't. I literally can't beat this game. <laughs> I, was yeah. just like, I can't. I can't do it. It's because they take off all the like wheels. So basically, in the first two campaigns, they kind of tell you like, "Hey, you need this. You need this unit. You need this unit. You, you can need this unit." And and these harder campaigns, they just give you the freedom. It's just like, "Hey, do whatever you want." And I'm excited to try it out. I'm probably gonna get really frustrated with it. We'll see if I finish it. Um, but yeah, I I'm super excited just to get back into this game, even though I thought that I would never get the chance to. And oh, now yeah. I'm really wanting them to release the the prequel, Kingdom of the Fire Heroes, on Steam. Yeah, that cause... one basically is almost the same, except that all the officers are basically the their leaders. own character. They have their own campaigns. Yeah, which is basically twice the amount of campaigns as the original. Yeah, so there's like yeah. seven, I believe seven or eight campaigns. Yeah. The the Kingdom Under Fire franchise is really just it's so weird because they had the first game which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Then they had the prequel which was also great. And then they were like, okay, let's let's keep let's this going. Let's make Circle a, of Doom. Make Circle of Doom which is like a Diablo clone. It's it's essentially just a hack and slash. Just it's like they a took weird... up it took out all the RTS. RTS and it's elements. not even good. It's no. not it's really fucking bad, but I remember still buying it cuz I loved that series so much. But it was such a hot mess and then Kingdom Under Fire 2 was just like in development hell for god knows how long. It was like only coming out in Korea. Right. Uh, and it was just ugh, I don't know. I just I just want like a proper Kingdom Under Fire game. I just want more people to make this type of because it seems like such a perfect idea, and yet nobody heard of it. Nobody played it. It breaks my heart. So, Hunter, uh, I have you down to talk about dreams, but if you have something you'd rather talk about, you can do that instead. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can talk about dreams. So, yeah, dreams uh, from the Media Molecule team who made uh, the Little Big Planet game. Uh, this game was literally announced at the PlayStation 4 reveal event. E3? No, not E3. It was like their own, like, they had their own special, yes. They had their own special presentation where they talked about the PS4. They didn't even show it. They just showed the controller. But they, like, were like, oh, here's Killzone Shadowfall. Here's Infamous Second Son. And also this thing called Dreams. Where it just shows a guy with two PlayStation moves, like playing the drums and creating like this marionette of some guy playing the piano. Uh, so this game's been in development for like seven years, and you can tell. Yeah. So, so tell us what exactly is Dreams? Uh, it's basically a game engine <laughs> at its core. It's just you can, if you can think of something, you can make it. Uh, they give you the tools. And- the ability to pretty much come up with any game that you could ever think of. And uh, that's just half of it. The other half is experiencing and playing all the other games or sort of like interactive movies or uh, like pictures or 
experiences of that other players make and you can see those in like curated playlists or just like completely random uh selections and you could pretty much just infinitely play that game forever and always find new games okay uh, it also came with a like special campaign that they made like it was like the yes media monocle inside dreams made their own like special games have you yes. played that yet yeah that's that's kind of the that was the first thing i played when i started the game um and it's sort of like a amalgamation of three different games all following this like main storyline um and it, it kind of just showcases what the engine can create and it, it uh it's it's very interesting and it it's very kind of artsy but also has a lot of fun mechanics it's a little simple but um you get a feel for kind of just the beginnings of the possibilities that you can do and uh gets you familiar with some of the controls and things like that but it's it's pretty solid sure okay um so but you've been have you messed around with creation yet at all i haven't really gotten to creating anything yet because i am by nature not a super creative person i think sure. uh if i had some good ideas i would probably be able to knock them out but as of right now i've just been i just can spend a couple hours just like sorting through different games and just experiencing different things and then what i'm waiting for is uh the vr um component that's supposed to come out sometime soon they haven't given an exact date but it's they're like it's coming what do you think about how do you how do you feel about like the current state of like what you're seeing from the, like the creations because a lot of these have been in development since at least like november or something that's when the early access came out mm. like what do you feel about like the quality of they're so far i would say a huge majority of them like proof of concept demos basically sure where you know you get like like some guys like okay i want to make the most detailed textures i can and it's literally just like you're walking down the street with like a handgun that you can't <laughs> shoot but like but you know the handgun looks like call of duty quality basically you know and like and the map looks, you know, just as good. So, like, just to show that, you know, you can make, like, a beautiful, like, you know, like, a very detailed, beautiful game in this engine. Or, you know, another one might be, like, <laughs> just, like, a meme where it's, like, Dwight Shoot Shroot Simulator or Sonic the Hedgehog, like lots of Sonic the Hedgehog. Bottom and SpongeBob is just yeah. <laughs> yes, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was such a good one. That, um, one, that one was great. So yeah. I, I want to ask, like, do you think so? So from what you've seen so far, do you think like like some of these games could have the potential, or like some a creator could have the potential to really like not just make something that looks pretty or like a polished concept, but like actually make like a full on game that could like extend outside of dreams. Or will this always just be like, will the stink of it, you know, just being like, Oh, this is cool for a game inside of a game. Well, I mean, you, we've already talked about two different 
game developers that became game developers because they made a shitty version of another game. Very true. So I think it's definitely possible. I think they just need it just needs to get seen, which I think I think that's gonna be one of the big things is just like how do you like I think the curated front page is like like gonna be a huge deal, you know, as far as like getting those that good content, interesting content up for people to see. You know, sort of like the early days of like YouTube and stuff where, you know, that can make or break a channel basically is like whether or not they make it onto the front page. Because um, it, it, there's just so much stuff. It, it's so easy to get lost. I think that's it. I'm, I mean, I do need, I, I, I'm interested to, because I, I also have move controllers with you. So I, I'd like to get to, I'd like to come up with something to create and <laughs> use the, see like what all the different options are for creating like, the different tools available you can always try to make a 3d model of your dog <laughs> sure yeah. uh, moose does deserve it <laughs> uh tyler sir world of warships uh me and hunter could talk about this one. Oh, absolutely because we recently i recently just got back into it and this is hunter's first go around so what so world of warships is uh World of Warcraft, but you're a boat? Uh, no. <laughs> it is Not WoW. Yes. It's world, of, it's world of Tanks, but with boats. Okay. That's better. And World of Tanks is World of Warcraft, but you're a tank? World of Tanks yeah, is exactly. War Thunder, but with tanks. We could do this all day. Tell me what this game is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically just like a 12 versus 12 boat off. And there's they're historically accurate to the sense where armor was placed on a ship and like shooting a certain section of your ship is like is either reinforced or is vulnerable to attack type deal. And there's a turn radius on the guns, so you have to kind of like depending on the ship that you're using, you have to plan out which side you're gonna be firing from type deal. Cause you know they all the gun all the turrets on each ship pivot in a certain direction and some pivot on a slower turn so mm-hmm. and it's just it's a surprising amount of fun you you would think because it's 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 almost like a slow paced action-packed shooter in a way yeah and there's there's a lot of strategy involved about taking yeah, over pl- you know coordinating with other teammates there's different classes ships or um, you know, some are fast and maneuverable and have like smoke screens that can be deployed to, you know, cover for your teammates, or um, some have like very good anti aircraft guns that can like take out planes for your teammates. Right. Um, and sometimes it's a viable strategy just to be in a cluster of ships because the planes yeah. are so damn overpowered right now. Exactly. Just so that there you have some sort of defense from these planes. It's a. It's it's very intricate and like Hunter said, there's a lot of strategy involved. And it's it's a lot a lot of placement and coordination. But also and, a lot of I would say like a pretty decent amount of skill because it requires like a oh, lot absolutely. of like timing and uh accuracy, like as yeah. well as shots, like leading your shots and kind of getting a feel for where your enemies are moving to and um, you know which ammo type to use and you know, you have like these like repairs that you can do, 
or like abilities but those are like on cooldowns that last like up to like five minutes you know so you have to use them like very sparingly right it's a lot to it super intricate i i'm a, I'm a big fan that's all it's so far it's a lot of fun the aircraft carriers are um they're real strong and yeah, they're, they're pretty strong i actually unlocked one last night that's right you did you did yeah before, before and, we got uh, off those games ended up with just aircraft first aircraft carrier like three times in a row and uh that's a little slow going but <laughs> let me guess like but it's minutes. interesting because you end up like because you want to move once you realize that it's only aircraft carrier you start moving up your aircraft carrier and you kind of meet in the middle almost because you want to get closer so you can launch your ship or your planes faster yeah refuel and, and rearm yeah exactly and so it kind of becomes this race to the center or race to the other person and you have like a attack plane that like flies around your your um your aircraft carrier that kind of like protects you from other planes and so you have to like watch out for that and then like it's it's pretty tough because they have like very good because by nature uh aircraft carriers like have the best anti-aircraft guns and so when it's two aircraft carriers <laughs> race each other it's like you know two in a movable object versus like you know unstoppable force like it's so i know in this game that there's as you progress you kind of get like two fields of ships so you start with like a little dinghy not dinghy yeah. but you know you get like a real crummy battleship with yeah, like two yeah. guns on it and then you can just like get all the way to like the final rank which is literally oh, yeah. just a just like a, a rectangle with just barrels on every possible surface you can place a gun on yep um, the, the do you really feel like the change in the gameplay go along with does it just feel like drastic? Oh, yeah. oh, it's drastic. Okay. As soon as you leave like ship level three or two, yep. Yep. it's 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 a whole different whole, game. Yeah, exactly. It's because, and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, very different. When you want to just screw around, you go into like take a destroyer, which is like the tiny ones, and just zip around all the big ones and hit them with torpedoes, and like there's nothing they can do oh, about yeah. it because they're dumb low levels <laughs> they're like people but who then, just like a just started yeah. playing the game or just b just just can't understand how it works but then you go to like level five and you might get paired up with a couple level sixes or something. you get people like just there's like they have like perfect coordination and like you know block off your routes and you know fire before you can even see them and stuff like that it's you like, like get to intense. the straight and nobody know nobody can see each other everything's still under the fog of war but you get to this one straight and there's 12 torpedoes from the enemy already there even though they can't see you they just know it's ridiculous yes but yeah also at like that low level stage where you're you're just starting to get the destroyers like i remember the first time i ever did it this is how i got hooked to the game i played the destroyer and was like all right cool let me try these torpedoes out Got like nine kills in a game and like almost single-handedly won the game. And I was like, this is awesome. And then as soon as I got a battleship, I'm like, I can't move at all. I am slow and lost like three times in a row because it's just so drastically different game play styles. All right. Well, the warships sounds pretty fun. I might jump back into it one day. Yeah. You're lying. I mean, I played, I had a good time with it. I just kind of 
I think I just removed it because I just wasn't playing it for a while. Uh, and I had other stuff I wanted to hit. Now, back to me. Uh, two games I wanted to discuss. But I think I'm going to go with this one because it's more... Because I, I can talk to Eric about it a little bit. Uh, so this game is something... I, I feel like with this podcast, really what's been happening is that I'm going through and looking at games I originally gave a big stink eye to that I was just like nope I'm not doing this this stinks I don't like it and I'm kind of having a change of heart about and going through again and finding that oh it makes sense why so many people like this game initially like how it was with uh, Wolfenstein how it was with Doom and now that's how it is with uh, Nier Automata Ah. Yes. So I had initially tried playing this game um, when it a little bit after it came out uh, along in the same year in 2017. And I had rented it from Gamefly and I was trying to do like a free trial month so I could play the game for free. And because of some problems with the shipping, I basically only had like days to play the game. And I didn't really understand what I was getting into. And so my expectations were all jumbled because I was hearing so much talk about like how this is like game of the year material and how it blew their minds. And like once you beat it, like it's going to change everything. And I was like, oh, OK. And so I played it. And essentially how I would describe this game is that it's a it's an action RPG from Platinum. You play as and two androids you play as 2B and 9S who basically and their role is to fight robots that were made by aliens that invaded Earth and so you're trying to stop them from, uh, from basically like, they're trying to like take, kill humanity and humanity like all of humanity escaped to the moon they basically have like a base on the moon and they're hiding there while the androids that they built go to Earth and they fight for them. And so you're part of that. And basically, like, as the game progresses, the plot becomes, like, a little bit more... It's not so black and white, essentially. Like, these machines that you initially thought are basically just robots with no emotions, and they're basically really goofy-looking, rusty, like, bucket-of-bolts-looking type robots. Um that basically like have blank expressions, you slowly start to realize that they're kind of like coming in touch with humanity and they're becoming a uh, sentient and learning about like philosophy and stuff. And like as an Android, you're trying to like pro process this while also, you know, continuing your mission. And so initially I got, this game has like multiple endings. I got to the first ending and I was like, okay, that was, you know, decent, you know, it was like a, decent action story of beat the final boss but then as soon as you beat the game you get another you get a message from Square Enix that like please keep playing just because you got one ending doesn't mean that like the game's over and I was like okay and then so what happens is that the second when you try to continue that file you're basically playing through the game again through 9S who's the other character you're playing through the events did 
but from the perspective of a different character. And I was like, okay, weird. Uh, and then you basically beat it. You get the same. You get like the same ending. But what what's cool about what's interesting about this playthrough through the second playthrough is that you're seeing you're learning more about like what's going on in the world, and you get like a huge plot twist about like a big reveal about like what's going on, like what is the conspiracy that's going on behind uh, Yorha. But then I beat it, and I was like, okay, I learned a little bit. More. Uh, like, I guess that's it, right? But I didn't realize that, like, if someone just had told me, like, if they had just, like, given me a prize and said, like, hey, just know this, know this, know this, and keep playing, I would have had a better time. Because when I reached that point, I was kind of like, I had to return the game. I was like, I'm done. Like, I don't know what, like, I didn't, I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know why people are so hyped about the game. It just seems like a whatever action game but it wasn't until uh I, w- I had the game on steam and i gave it another shot and i made it through pretty much the entirety that i was like holy shit this game is really something special uh if if, if there's like a primer that i can give to you that i wish someone had gone back in time and given me it's that the endings are not actually ending just chapters that are part of a story and it's not until you get like the first four chapters that you really get what happens so in the first two which are ending a and ending b not a lot is really happening but in ending three or ending c like characters make huge decisions people just start like making like huge revelations about themselves and what's going on with the world there's like several scenes that happen in this game where uh like my jaw like genuinely just dropped to the floor like i could not believe what i just witnessed and i was just like filled with like awe and disgust at like how far this game went with its story essentially uh and then there's also like the fact that like when you get the final final ending um there's like a chapter select and so all the open world stuff that you see, you don't actually have to go and do it at the time and fear missing it later. Like you can just come in and do those whenever you want, because the whole game is basically separated into like 13 chapters or something. And you can just jump into like checkpoints in those chapters and do things that you might have missed. So it's really easy to just like hit all 30 endings all at once. Uh Eric, you played this game. How far did you get? Not very far. I got like, I think the first hour or two. My, I think, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but it was just, it felt very clunky Mm -hmm. to me at first. And I just didn't get it. So, and I I had rented it, so I didn't have much time with the game. So I was like, "Ah, I'd rather play something else. But I kind of want to get back into it and just give it another shot. Um, just because I do like, as you were talking, it was just like the whole multiple endings and just how the various different ways of getting yes. to those endings is really interesting to me. Um, so I might want to hop back in and play it. I believe it was on sale recently, and maybe it still is. But mm. I'm sh- I'm sure there will be a chance for me to. It's play it again. yeah. I I don't. The thing is, is like, 
as amazed as I was by this game by the time I finished it, I can't blame myself for having that opinion initially because nobody really warned me. Uh, the combat is kind of mediocre, honestly. Like, com- I mean, com- mediocre compared to like, because this is a platinum game. Like, platinum makes like solid, like ace action games. Like Bayonetta is like such good combat, and Metal Gear Revengeance is so good. And uh, uh, I'm blanking right now, but like you know, like they they also like the director of the game was like one of the big people who invented Devil May Cry. So they're good at making action, but this one, it just felt so kind of lackluster. You don't really get to mess around with a lot. There's like a chip system, which is basically like how the RPG system works, where you basically like implant chips into your cyborg AI or like your, your hardware. And like a chip will be like increase in physical damage or, heal over time and the thing so like different chips have different sizes and you have like line them up so they all perfectly fit in your uh storage capacity and initially i tried to like kind of make a build of like a lot of abilities that i could have so i will say that the combat is not very engaging i really recommend like putting this on easy just like paying attention to like side quests and the main story and just like cruising through because like by the end, like if you're like me, you're gonna hit the end and you're gonna be like, now I kind of want to get every ending. I want to see just how much further the story goes. There's even like one ending. I thought I got like main big stuff, and then I saw like on Twitter they're like, nope, you didn't get this particular thing, and I was like, shit. So now I really feel the urge to like go back and run through it and get everything. The combat's not good, but one thing about the presentation, the music is absolutely phenomenal it is like nothing i've heard the way that it the, the way that they just do like so much layering there they'll play like one track over the overworld and everything but then as you uh as as it, as it gets like more intense or you get like deeper and closer to your objective they start adding like new layers into the track so something that was originally just like a really cool soft melody suddenly start having orange instruments until eventually there's like vocal track of just like a a woman just like singing her heart out and it just like takes everything to like a next level and it just and there's like a certain moment where they do that really well with one of the endings that it literally like i almost cried like it was so they did something with the soundtrack that i I don't even want to talk about because it's such a huge spoiler but the way that they do it is so like revolutionary, honestly. Like it really deserved all the awards that it got for soundtrack. And I think even just like even without playing, like if you just listen to it on like a streaming platform, you're gonna see why it's worth appreciating. Okay. Uh, so yeah. That's Near Automata. Uh what what uh, platform is it on right now? It's, it's on... on everything pretty much yeah. except Switch. But it's like on PC, it's on PS4, PS4. One. yeah. Check it out. It sounds cool. I'm always also, there's a, a there's a secret there's a secret boss where you can fight the CEO of Square Enix. Oh really? <laughs> yes, which is really weird. Also, you can fight the CEO of Platinum both at the same time. It's really weird, but I don't know. I don't know. Just great game. Highly check. Highly recommend. So, 
those are my games. I think we got through most of everybody's. Eric, we didn't get to go through Remind. I apologize, but like, no, do we need to talk about that? Like, no, it was. I was. It's going to be very brief if I did. It's just like, from what I've heard, it's overpriced and not enough happens. Yeah. Too hard. It's too hard. Uh, you don't need it at all. Just watch the cutscenes on YouTube. Just watch the cutscenes on YouTube. Yep, that's what I was going to say. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right, there you go. We hit everything. Uh, but let's wrap it up with final bonus objective. So this is the portion where brings uh, a little shout out of something it could be anything that they just want the, the, the listener to be aware of to like be like, hey you should check this just like a concept that they should consider so tyler give us your bonus objective oof so let's see something something people should be conscious about always eat your greens really Make sure you eat vegetables Really? Yeah. That's all you got? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, specifically, I wanted to shout out our um, our previous guest's podcast. I gave it, I actually listened to a few of his episodes. It was pretty good. And I was going to say he should have shouted out on the last podcast, but we... So this is Malachi's it. podcast? Correct. Uh, C- Command Cinema, CMD Cinema. And okay. that's... What is- what is it exactly? It's a movie podcast. They talk about movies that they've been watching. I think they just talked about the uh, the Oscars. Okay. Do they do like a movie club kind of thing? Um, They're all trying was, to watch the same movie? or do they, they, just... they have like a list, I believe, and they try to watch and discuss the movies that they've been... <laughs> uh, Tyler. I mean, no, not Tyler. Eric. Oh, yes. Oh. Eat greens. Uh, yeah, eat your greens. Thank you. Um, I'm about to close this but, goddamn thing down. <laughs> but for me, okay, my latest obsession recently is uh, this YouTube channel called Bone Apple Teeth. Wait, uh, is it Bone Apple Teeth? It's Bone, bone Apple Teeth. It's okay. Bone Appetite. Bone Appetite. Uh, the Bone oh, Appetite okay. Test Kitchen. Hell yeah. Um, I've been, I Claire started Gang. with, yeah, Claire Gang, Gourmet Makes, love it. But um, I've been, I started with one one video of like back to back chef and then i just fell down a hole i think i've seen like 80 videos in the past like two weeks and oh, it just, wow. i just won't stop and i'm just like ah uh, this is cooking is like they make it so easy and fun and it's just it's very interesting and i like their personalities a lot so yeah go check out bon appetit all right uh hunter uh if you uh live in a state that hasn't voted in the primaries get out and vote guys it's important mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make sure to so yeah check if you're in the u.s if you're listening and you're in the u.s uh the democratic primaries are going on right now so i would check your just look up uh, state name uh primary voting date look up the date and then just go that day or your state probably has early voting and you can just do it probably right now so go check it out it's really important yes all right uh that's everyone except me um i think what i'm gonna go with is i think i'll do a youtube channel as well um so 
I want to give a shout out to one of my new favorite YouTubers. Uh, his name is uh, Jacob Geller. He does uh, essays about video games and particular topics that relate to video games. Um, he is doing a lot of he, he's doing a lot of like similar stuff to stuff that you can see before. It'll be like why this game is awesome, etc. But he also does a lot of like really thoughtful and unique perspectives on certain games. For example, he made a video about um, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus and how its depiction of America being taken over by being taken over by Nazi Germany and the way that they were like able to like just perfectly acclimate to um, that kind of dictatorship or like that kind of like racist uh, tyranny, um, how that kind of like backing and like some historical context and how people at the time, like the way that people related to the Nazis, like you could totally believe that something like this would happen if in life the the Nazis like actually won World War Two. He also has like a really good video about um like he he tells a story about museum theft. Like just like certain like stories of people who got really good at stealing stuff from museums, what they ended up getting and what they stole and how museum theft actually relates to just like the concept of having a museum on its own is mu is is art theft in its own way, and it it's just like it's really cool stuff. I highly recommend checking out his videos. That's all I'm gonna say. So that with that, we have wrapped up another episode of Out of the Backlog. Thank you to all my guests uh, coming in, and thank you, the listener. For checking us out uh if you haven't if you like the podcast make sure to subscribe on what platform you're listening to uh if you already subscribed and you really like us uh please go on apple podcasts or any other uh site that you have that does ratings and give us like a five star rating or a 10 out of 10 a thumbs up or like whatever you can so we can kind of build up we can kind of show that we're pretty good podcast and we can get more listeners that way uh really appreciate it um if you have any questions or any inquiries if you have your own backlog list that you would like to share with go to battle the backlog at gmail.com write us an email it can be about anything and i'll make sure to read it i might even read it on another episode so thank you for listening thank you to everyone I hope you have a wonderful evening and we'll see you next time. Bye.